Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the episode three of a Mirror Talk, talking with Keith and Charlotte.、Uh, we got a lot of encouragements and warm-hearting words from our audience. We we're really grateful for it. One of our audiences wrote us a message asking if we can actually talk about the filial piety.、Uh, in Chinese, we call it xiao. So I guess we. We'll definitely talk about it today, but not necessarily limiting our discussion to this one thing. In a general brand, in a general span, I guess we will talk about family in general, in America and in China. Yeah. So, well, where shall we get started? Um, Keith and me, we both actually graduated last year in two thousand nineteen. I graduated from Japan Kyoto University and got my PhD. And Keith kind of、um, spent long years in college, but he eventually graduated from college last year too. So we both started working in April two thousand nineteen. Is that so? Yeah. So why don't we just get started from there?、Uh, I have one question for you, kids. Why did you spend so long in college? Um, for self exploration. Um. In. In in life, per, finding out what I really wanted to do with my life. After all, it is my life. My life doesn't belong to my parents or to my country or to anybody except for me. So,、mm. um, it's my personal ambition to find out why exactly I'm here and what exactly I want to do. While I'm here on this earth, because we only have one life that we know of,、so. that's a lot of like abstract talking, actually. So specifically speaking, you said you want to explore your life. Uh, what kind of things did you specifically do? Well, I think the most important thing in American culture these days, if you come from a middle class or upper middle class or especially upper class family, is to find out. You know, make sure that you pick a career that you're not going to be miserable in.、Okay. Make sure you pick something that you actually makes you feel fulfilled inside, makes you feel like you have a purpose. Because in our society, we have a lot of people who we've seen pick make life choices that don't turn out in such a way that leads to fulfillment. It might lead to depression or family conflict or marrying the wrong person or picking the wrong job.、Um, You know, having a lot of stress in their life, and we've seen this play out. And、um, I have a couple friends, parents who became who ended up committing suicide or having,、um, you know, on the more harsh end and on the more light end, just not being there for their kids a lot, being distracted a lot,、uh, having a lot of stress. They might have high salary, but they're not really around their family a lot. I'm sure every American knows of friends with this example. Well, that's a lot of information. So well, just to be clear, actually, your college is also four years to be exact. Four years, right? Four、yeah. years college. Yeah, pretty much. We have a that. we have an associate's degree, but bachelor's degree is four years in America. Four masters years. Masters is an extra two, and then I guess PhDs is like extra four. So four to eight years. Yeah. Yes. So well, you said that you you just want to make sure that you. Chose a career that you actually like instead of just like getting a degree, getting a job, like the routine, mundane life track. Yeah,、so、I mean, I know that maybe you tried music for a certain period of time. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> My music career. Yeah. Um. Well, I've always liked music. Um. From a young age, I learned. 
piano. Again, my dad forced me to to take piano lessons up until fifth grade. Mm -hmm. And then at sixth grade, we were given autonomy. So the choice to pick whatever instrument I liked for the next couple of years, my dad would pay for that, for lessons. So I picked guitar. I like guitar. I like the structure of learning guitar because it was very free form. Mm -hmm. And we're just, you know, in guitar compared to learning piano, you're more, um, it's more inspirational. You're listening rather than reading music. And, you know, I really like guitar. And from there, I went back to piano and taught myself how to play piano in such a in such a way, more of like a jazz rock and roll based way, not like classical learning structure. So obviously from there, I got into writing uh, music, a lot of rock and roll and pop and things like that. Uh, I joined a band with my best friend and my brother and my other brother. And that was around 2010 when I graduated high school. And from there, I was just starstruck. I just, the idea of becoming a famous rock and roll band was like a total dream to me. And I just wanted to pursue that at all costs because it was so, I thought it was so engaging and inspiring. And I just loved every minute of it. Mm. I wasn't that good of a musician though. So, and my voice is terrible, and I thought my voice was good. Your voice is good, but your pitch is terrible. That's yeah, what my, I know. I can't like hear. You would literally sing a song in the wrong pitch, and you wouldn't know it. Yeah, and this is funny, because this brings us back to genetics, which we were talking about a couple of days ago, and we might talk about on this podcast. Mm. Um, you know, I found out years later mm. that from 23andMe, the genetic um, site that you submit your uh, DNA samples to, that I have a predisposition for bad pitch. So if I had known that earlier, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have tried so hard to be a singer. Maybe I would have come to the realization that I'm not a singer. I should just let other people sing my songs. And the one thing I was good at was writing songs and writing music. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, so you were good at writing music, uh, reading music, writing music, but you're not good at singing. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. playing, I'm just like, okay, like a little bit. My rhythm is off, so I'm not that good of a, like a musician either. But, but I believe like playing uh, musical instruments is mainly about practice. If you practice long enough, you should be good at it. Not really, no. Like just like the pitch thing, you pretty much have it or you don't. Like I don't have good rhythm. Like I'm oh. never gonna be a dancer. I'm never gonna be a bass or drummer. Okay. I just don't really have good rhythm. Like I learned a lot of music. I learned how to play a lot of different songs and stuff, but my rhythm's just not that great. And my pitch is even worse. Well, that's really something I know for the first time. Like you can actually be good at writing the music, but not good at playing or singing the music. Yeah, you can. I mean, writing is just a creative form. So you hear the music in your head, but how you, and I can translate that onto paper or onto onto the guitar or piano it just takes me a while so i can hear the notes i want in the head because like my talent is my creativity mm. but actually making that come out onto an instrument um mm. and or into a, a voice is harder and that's the same thing many of the famous songs the pop songs written out there are written by people who aren't very good at playing or singing oh really yeah because it's hard to have all these talent like with music it's hard to have Imagine in Hollywood if someone produced the movie, directed the movie, and wrote the movie, and acted in it. That's a very rare thing to come by. I know one person. Well, I the, know. The, the girl in uh, Fleabag, that was one of my favorite shows. She actually was the playwriter, the director, as well as the actor. Well, of course, she was 
one of a kind, talented person. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting that Keith just mentioned, you know, pieces of information. But I, I think, you know, as for the audience who listen to this episode for the first time, maybe it's better for me to kind of sort out the information you just mentioned. So Keith mainly uh, spent longer than four years in college, but it was mainly because during this period she was still in college. Oh, he, he was he he. <laughs> sorry, he was still in college. He um actually devoted. A few years of his life trying to pursue a career in music, and he's actually had like a music channel on YouTube, right? Yeah. You actually had a one single out、um, with your band. We had a few different early projects, and then in 2016 we released、um, like a full album, but the production quality wasn't that great because we produced it ourselves. Okay, so. And so he kind of detoured a little bit in his college education. We can say that. And there is another story that I know that your your friend Chris actually dropped out of college, and your brother,、uh, he got a very good degree from a very good university as a in in the in the field of、uh, graphic design, but he didn't. Just go labor market and try to find a job as a de- graphic designer, and he actually went to Joe's Pizza and make pizza for like four years, right? Yeah. Well, Mike, we were in a band together. The band was we were taking breaks with the band off and on for several years.、Uh, when Mike graduated from Rutgers、uh, University in New Jersey, I'm sure you know that's a pretty popular college, and、um, he graduated after five years, so he just took one extra year to graduate. And as soon as he graduated, I decided to take a hiatus from university because I wasn't really picking a major at that point, and I was just kind of distracted by music. At that point, we decided to move to Los Angeles and see what opportunities were out here in music and in film. So okay, yeah, back to the topic, dude. Back to the topic we were talking about from the very beginning: the family. I think my Chinese. Well, let's focus on education first. We didn't finish yeah, the yeah, education. Yeah, exactly. What I'm trying to say is, first of all, you know, from the, all of the stories I just told everybody, the first time I heard of it, I was shocked. Cause like, if you were born in China, from with in a Chinese family, your Chinese parents would definitely not allow you to do that. To take longer than four years than is necessary to finish college just because you want to pursue. Your music career, and not to get a job with your degree, with your proper, actually pretty good degree, and instead you went to、uh, make pizza for four years. What do you mean? You wanted to make, uh, just because you want to, you know, pursue your career,、uh, music career. What do you mean allowed? I mean, in America, when you turn eighteen, you're a legal person, so you can make any choice you want. Yeah, legally speaking, but I'm just trying to say that this is one of、uh, my. Understanding about Chinese parents, they can be very, very supportive, but they are also a little bit intervening. So sometimes the the boundary is always kind of like blurry. They can say, "Oh, I'm doing this. I'm preventing you. I'm not allowing you to do this exactly for your own sake, for your own good." So I'm not suggesting or I'm not allowing you to just to take longer in college. To pursue your music, I'm not allowing you to just make pizza and live the basic life and pursue your music career. Yeah, but, but what do you mean allowed? Like in like so,、what、my parents told me that, well, you can live with us 
and not pay rent, but you have to go to college. And then one year I said, well, I'm going to take this year off college. And they said, okay, well, then you have to start paying rent. I said, okay, well, I'm just going to go live in Los Angeles and pay my own rent and get my own job. And then what What are they going to call the police? What are, what are they going to do? Well, of course, I, I understand. Like, we, we need to start actually from the parent-child relationship in China and in America. So basically... I don't know a lot about the parent-child relationship in America, but I know so well in China because all of the people around me, including my friends and even some of my students, they have a very strong bond with their parents and their parents support them mm. through college. That is to say their parents will pay for their uh, life expenses as well as tuition. Everything is covered by their parents, but also... They are very, very respectful for their parents' opinions. So when they want to make a big life decision, like moving to another city like you, mm. moving from the east coast to the west coast, almost like throughout the whole country, right? You cross to the whole country. Mm -hmm. And then you said, I'm going to drop out of college for one year. They, they're going to say, no, you're not going to do that. But what gonna, is preventing you from saying... I don't, you're, you're not me. This is my life. So I don't care what you think. Cause that's well, what that's an American would say. Like if you mm. want to do something, whether it's be a bartender or a musician or uh, you don't need your parents permission. Cause you're not a child. You're not, you're eight, you're past 18 You're 20 You're 22. It's your decision whether or not you want to do things. You can't be forced or into doing things that you don't have to do. This is a very complicated emotion. I think it's more like a bittersweet experience. Why is it a bittersweet experience? Because sweet, because you know that your parents actually care about you. They really care about you. They support you financially and psychologically. And they are giving you the advice they think that is to your best interest. Let's say that. So, mm. But the bitter part is, you sort of feel like maybe their opinions is kind of outdated. It's, it doesn't apply to your situation. Yeah. And you actually want to make your own decision and try your own things, try your own ideas. Yeah. But you don't want to hurt their feelings. You don't want to say, oh, mom, you know what? This is my life. I'm going to do my own thing. Isn't your mom is going to be very sad? My mom? I mean, for Chinese, for Chinese children. Okay. Yeah, Let me just, um, to help people clearly understand what's actually going on here, I have a study pulled up from, I believe it's Arizona, um, State University of Arizona. So it's just like this journal about parenting styles between Western and Eastern families. Um, so for white Americans, the parenting style most related to psychological well-being in adolescence is called authoritative parenting. This means two key points support which means hugging praising affection saying hey good job i like what you're doing and control so control means setting clear expectations and moderate limits on what this child can or cannot do um these are suggestions that this this is this parenting style is good in the west or and supportive um on the contrast, we have authoritarian parenting, which is seen in many Asian American families of first-generation immigrants, which is uh, low support, 
um, appearing very strict and kind of, um, you know, a little bit cold and then high control, which is tightly monitoring their children. Um, according to this style, according to Western beliefs, these, the style of parenting can be seen as damaging to, um, adolescents well-being because you're not really letting them develop on their own and make their own choices and feel confident in their own choices well i don't know about that kids you know because like teenagers they can uh, they can be really rebellious and kind of stupid uh according to this textbook i was explaining just like a few days ago teenagers actually have this personal fable they believe they are more competent and more intelligent than they really are and that's why they do stupid things for example if you were born in a chinese family and you say i want to drop out of high school because i don't think study is doing me any good your parents is gonna force you to go to school and eventually when you are like 25 28 years old you realize actually education benefits you eventually so yeah, but that's I'm not, not... I don't think we are commenting here like which way is better or which way is not good. I'm just saying that we are comparing the difference here. Well, I'm not talking about dropping out our of... opinions. To, pre- to just to present on our opinions, everybody has their own judgment. I'm not talking about dropping out of high school. This, As I said, the authoritative parenting in the West, it's kind of confusing. So like the proper parenting style in the West among white white American families is considered control. So setting clear expectations of what you want your child to behave like and moderate limits. So mm-hmm. dropping out of high school would not be, you know, part of this this um, parenting style. That would be too extreme. This is not let your child do whatever they want. It's setting moderate limits. So mm-hmm. you can make choices. As each year you get older, 16 to 17, 17 to 18, Mm-hmm. You're being granted more and more freedom to make your own choices so that you feel confident in being your own person and making your own decisions. Oh, that's nice. So you're saying that uh, as the child grows older, their parents, the parents actually give them more and more freedom, but still there is always like a boundary, a limit that they cannot cross? Yeah, of course. Obviously, if you start doing drugs or doing hardcore drugs like um, opiate or heroin or something like that, your parents are not going to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, They're probably going to stop talking to you or strongly suggest that you go to rehab or something like that. And they're definitely not going to support you financially. So it's, this is not a case of like, just let kids do whatever they want versus I'm going to monitor everything my kids do. The Western style is like, I'm going to set clear limits, clear expectations and clear boundaries, but I'm also going to let you be your own person and develop your own, confidence in your decision making yeah that's that's the difference i i think the major difference here we are talking about here is the boundary because for the chinese parents okay you do your own study you do your own job but i'm gonna give you life suggestions as to when you're gonna get married as to what kind of job you better take because a lot of chinese parents want their kids to take jobs that their kids are not really interested in you know what kids are really interested in these days? They are interested in becoming a internet influencer, a blogger, a YouTuber, yeah, whatever. You know, those kind of things. Their parents are still talking about go to college, get a degree in accounting or in finance, and then become a government public servant or something because it's stable. You will never lose your job and stuff like that. And you know what? 
I, 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 I'm not like、uh, I don't have access to the internet right now, so I don't have like specific data. But I do know a lot of people around me who just finally listen to their parents, and I feel like, well, that's their choice. But sometimes they may, they may talk to me about like, you know, how frustrating this experience is. One of my friend went to study in、uh, Britain,、mm-hmm. in UK. He said, "Well, I got a degree from UK, a master degree, but、mm. master degree in UK is just like one year, so I don't know about that. Anyway, so he got a master degree in UK, and he said I wanted to,、um, I want to, I wanted. He 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 told me, he said I wanted to go to big cities like Beijing or Shanghai, and personally prefer Shanghai over Beijing. I want to go there and find a job in my field." And try my chances out in the big cities,、mm. but my mom disagreed. My mom told me to come back to our hometown and start teaching English in one of the local.、Uh, I don't know what do you, what do you guys call it? Like training school? They got、yeah. like an associate degree or something like that. And I was like, dude. And that was a guy. That friend is a guy.、Mm. You are. Over twenty five years old, you got a master degree from UK, and、mm. you can't make a decision for your own life decision. Yeah, he didn't answer me directly, but what he implied is, his mom kind of paid for everything that he 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 went to the English training school before he went to UK. Yeah, that cost a lot of money. He went to UK for one year. The tuition, the life expenses there were pretty expensive. Okay, and he was like, so then I got it. It was like financial foundation decides the metal physical things in your family. If you get financial support from your family, then definitely your parents, your mom has a very decisive say, has a very decisive power in your life decisions. Yeah. So finally, he came back, and he started teaching English in the、um, associate, but、uh, training school. Yeah. So I've seen similar patterns in the West, especially on among like the super elite upper class,、um, you know, parents that have are often very wealthy. I can I've seen them enforce like strict study habits and strict,、um, you know, boundaries on their children. And sometimes it works. Sometimes the kids going to listen. And sometimes I've seen the opposite. I've seen total rebellion. So the more strict the parent is. Um, the more this person is going to rebel, they might even do, you know, get into some hard drugs or some, you know,、um, I don't know, gambling or whatever, you know, just bad, bad behaviors. So、um, that's what parents are scared of in the West. P- they're scared of being too strict on their children and controlling too much because you know people are going to have to fight for their autonomy at some point and rebel and say, hey. You know, I'm gonna do this, and sometimes if they're young and you're trying to control them that much in their teenage years, I mean, they're definitely going to rebel in some way, either with alcohol or sex or drugs or, you know, reckless behaviors. I don't know. Do you think maybe Asian people are just more submissive? Um, that's that that question's tinged with a little bit of um historic racism. I wouldn't want to get into that <laughs> conversation. I I don't um. Well, it's a truth. It's it's not racism. I'm Asian. I'm just trying to say, maybe it's like 
ethnic uh, characteristics. Asian people are just more submissive. Well, here's what I will say. We can't, since we don't have the genetic data and this stuff, the di genetic differences between ethnicities and races isn't studied that much because it's a taboo subject. But I don't think it's we don't necessarily have to focus on the genetic component, but we can focus on the cultural component and like draw clear conclusions about where these the sources of this are coming from. And one of the clear sources I see is um, Confucian ideology, which is a top down authoritative structure of um, student to master, um, child to parent mm -hmm. and citizen to, uh, I guess, the ruler. Mm -hmm. So. You know, we don't have a similar type of structure in the West. And even when we did with kings and monarchs and stuff, mm -hmm. we always fought for more and more freedom. So the Magna Carta in the year 1200. So even though we had kings and monarchs in the West, we were always claiming our independence in some way, whether it's, you know, England's independence from uh, the Vatican in Italy or um, individuals' independence from their lords and rulers even though there was these structures of top-down, um, continually in the West and Europe, we fought for more and more and more freedom until we have you know, America in the 18th century fighting for independence from England, developing modern democracy, things like that. So I will say that traditionally we have, over the millennia, we have fought for more and more independence and personal autonomy in the West. Interesting. Um, I can see that, actually, even from your government structure, because I was reading uh, about American institution and federalism mm. for some other job I was doing. And after reading throughout the whole thing, actually, I came to understand the power of this country does not lie in the federal government alone. Uh, there are several things that is... Uh, controlled by the federal government like tax foreign policy and stuff like that mm -hmm. but some other things like same-sex marriage yeah a legalization of marijuana uh, as well as like several other issues are mm -hmm. actually decided by the state government and yeah. think about it the state government the governor the representatives of your constitute district are all elected by the people themselves so mm. they actually have a say have a voice in this yeah and it's like the whole structure of this country as well as how you guys run this country is different fundamentally different from the whole system in china and living in these two different systems of course we're gonna have people of different personalities yeah and means of responding to um, opposing opinions, opinions yeah. from the superior or senior people. Yeah, we see so many differences, the different patterns from them. So, um, another another thing, uh, that is bothering Chinese young people nowadays is getting married mm. because we are developing into a very financially developed country right now, China, mm. at a very, very fast speed. For one thing, you are living in more and more affluence. So individuals have more choice. They don't need to get married to get financially supported 
like some women used to have to in the past. Uh-huh. On the other hand, you have more pressure and stress from your work, so you actually have less time for your personal life. Mm. The result, the consequences, you don't actually have the chance or the time to get to know a person and in, get involved in a romantic relationship. Mm. More and more people are postponing their age of getting married. And this has become such a huge problem, such a huge problem that young people nowadays are unwilling to go back home and see their parents during Chinese New Year Spring Festival because they are just too afraid. All of their relatives as well as their parents are going to surround them, ask them embarrassing questions such as, when are you getting married? Why don't you still have a boyfriend? And why don't you get married? Not getting married is considered such a failure in China right now. We call this bihun. And and also you see like in some big cities uh, like Shenzhen, Beijing, uh, I believe Shanghai too. Uh-huh. You have parks where the parents actually write down the information of their children. And they go to the bar- parks, gather there at a regular basis on a regular basis to the park and communicate with parents of other children and see, hey, you have a son, I have a daughter. Oh, how old is your son? Let's talk something about it. And they actually just match their children in the, in West, the park. In the West, we would see that as a just a symbol of embarrassment, like a huge symbol of embarrassment. We, My dad would do that, but only for the purpose of embarrassing me. Really? Yeah. Would- so, like... um. How much? Well, I'm looking at say like let's say how much would your parents actually interfere with your marriage and your romantic relationship? Um, almost, almost not at all. Not at all. So, mm-hmm. if you decide to get married with someone, do you have to uh, get the consent from your family? No. A lot of times, people end up getting married before they even tell their parents. I mean, especially if you're living. In a city like me, like thousands of miles away from your parents. That happens a lot in America. I mean, you grow up in a certain area. For me, it's Philadelphia. And then you move to Chicago, which is a thousand miles away. You move to Denver, which is 2,000. Or LA, which is 3,000. So we are spread out here. I understand you guys are kind of more along the lines of the eastern China seaboard. Mm-hmm. Um, but America, it can be spread out between coast and... A lot of times guys especially move further away from their parents and kind of live their own lives. Whereas women tend to like, they want to be with their parents more, I'm pretty sure, on average. Mm. Near their families more. I understand like when you are an adult, like in Chinese people's opinions, when you are an adult, uh, you want to give back to your parents. Because your parents have devoted, they have done so much for you. They paid everything they gave you love and care when you are a capable adult you want to share your important life milestones such as getting married getting Uh a new job moving to a new place with your family get their consent and blessings and also you want to take care of your parents because you want to give back so isn't it considered like kind of ungrateful if you like what you mentioned you're originally from East Coast, you moved to LA and you got married with someone without even telling your parents. Isn't considered a little bit ungrateful? No, our like I said, our parents in the West, 
um, it's more about autonomy and living it. What makes them proud is that you're completely autonomous. So you're individual. You can get your own job without needing their help. You can get married without needing their help. You can have your own life completely separate from theirs. And then like I call my parents all the time to talk to them because I love them. And you know, they're more just now we're on mutual ground. So like, we're more we're both adults and we have adult conversations and that's how we show that we care about each other um it's not so much about you know showing all this respect or creating these ceremonies for the parents and their um, adoration and things like that it's not really about that um over here i know for women um it's generally the role of the women's family to pay for the wedding. So that's probably the, the last big major influence the um, parents will have in Western society. And obviously, um, if the grandparents are located near the grandchildren of the family, then they're going to be, you know, watching the kids, visiting a lot. Uh, if it happens to be a single parent, the grand uh, the grandparents might become more involved, such as in my case, because my mom was a single mom and my parents were divorced. So my grandparents were always helping out because my mom was busy working. Okay, so, yeah, that's very interesting. You mentioned that actually your parents would be proud of you if you can get everything done by yourself, like getting a job, moving to a new place, and getting married, and even take care of your own kids. They would be very proud of you. Yeah. But, like, uh, in China, the case is... I I think, as you mentioned, it is the same case in China as it is in America. Girls are unwilling to leave their parents. Mm -hmm. They are more inclined to move back near their parents when they uh, start their own family and stuff. So the result is, but it has been kind of like a tradition. Uh, The tradition is the guy, like the husband's parents are going to leave or at least live very close. They're I they either live with the new family, with a with the with your family. Yeah. Or they're gonna live very close to your family. Yeah. So they are very very closely engaged in your daily life in the form of taking care of their grandchildren. Yeah. As full time job, you know. After they retire, they're just gonna take care of the grandchildren as a full time job. No. Yeah. That and, wouldn't happen uh, here. The kids would, of course, also engage their parents in such a way, such as like taking them uh, for traveling, taking them to go traveling, and engage them in important family decisions and, and stuff like that. That would be a nightmare situation for us if we were forced to live with our in-laws. I mean, everyone jokes about their in-laws in America, but nobody, if you had to be forced to live with your in-laws full time, I think um, a lot of people in America and the West would be freaked out by that. Yeah, but that's what we consider as filial piety. That's your way of taking care of your parents. But actually, I think that the reality is not so much as you are taking care of your parents, as that your parents are taking care of your kids. Mm. Yeah. All I know is that I th- the grandparents in the West, they only intervene usually unless they're very controlling type people. For most people, I think they only intervene in such a drastic way when it's necessity, such as like a divorce situation or a parent, like a family crisis situation. Um, for me, 
my dad was working a lot. My parents got divorced. Then my mom had to go work as an engineer. So my grandparents at that point, um, and we were still young, like toddlers up till eight years old or 10 years old. We needed to be watched. So that's at the point before that, we would just visit my grandparents on the weekends just to hang out. But after that moment, my grandparents became like a central figure in like raising me and my brothers. In a certain way, Chinese families' parents uh, also need to do it, like need to do it, because uh, usually we have like a couple working, mm-hmm. double income family, because nowadays it's really hard to just like rely on the salary of the guy, the husband alone. It would be really hard. Same here. Yeah, same yeah, here. Yeah, so like double income, both of the young couple mm-hmm. uh, work. And their uh, their parents help taking care of the kids. Yeah. Uh, in a certain way, that you you're just like totally engaged with your parents. Um, you're living together. You're like mingling your life together. Yeah. And we consider that as filial piety. And the other things we consider as filial piety is give your parents what they want, such as getting married and have children mm-hmm. to carry on the uh, family name. And also work hard, make a lot of money. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Like that. So, I, like, family. I know what that means. I, oh. I don't know what um, family name means. That seems like a very medieval institution where I come yeah. from. Because in we know genetics, we know evolutionary theory. We know your name means almost nothing. There's how many people? I'm my last name is Cunningham. How many thousands and thousands of people out there have the name Cunningham? I don't know who these people are. I don't care about these people. They're just another. I, it might be interesting, like oh, you're a Cunningham too, but I don't. It doesn't mean anything. It, I don't know why people care so much. I literally don't. Like, especially these days when people already have some extra money, some extra cash. My dad's family actually they donated like from each family they donate a lot of a large amount of money and rebuild the family name you know they have like a a, a, a recording like a recording thing okay to keep everyone whose family name is lee in this book can they i actually did this job ag- again and they built some kind of like a we call it Tang, so it's kind of like a shrine yeah. Where you keep you keep your ancestors? They spend a lot of money on that. I don't. I never understand why. Can you? Okay. Can I interrupt here because I just looked up the ten most popular surnames in China, and Lee is number two. And there's ninety two million people with the name of Lee, and that's just well, in the mainland. So, uh, the, <laughs> you know, line, different Lees. For reference, know, there's more there Lees from Jiangxi Province. There okay, there's more Lees. There's more Lees than there are any number of people in England, more than the population of Italy, more than the population of Germany, not combined, but individually, and like 10 to 20 times the population of Ireland. So uh, do you feel a strong connection to these other 92 million people named Lee? No. (laughs) Okay, so what's the significance? Well, you shouldn't ask me that question because I literally don't care. I can change my name to whatever. I really don't care. But what I'm talking about those people, like, People like my parents, they care. That's why they donate a lot, a large amount of money to uh, do this like uh, family name recording thing again. We yeah. Call it like, uh, uh, I, I don't know what is recording in Chinese. What is it called? Well, what's more 
interesting to us in the West, especially like um, white Americans. Zupu. I think he's called Zupu. Yeah. yeah. So like, ever since this Twenty Three and Me thing came out, there's other sites like Ancestry that do genetic and DNA tracing for your ancestry, and for Americans, like especially white Americans, it's um, kind of significant because a lot of people like don't understand which countries their ancestors actually came from, or maybe there's some, you know, they had to change their name at some point to get access into the American workforce. So it's super interesting to people like me, like, oh, where am I actually from? Am I Italian? Am I French? Am I German? Am I English? Am I Irish? And, um, but for you guys, it's like you're all Han Chinese pretty much. <laughs> so what mysteries are you going well, to uncover by looking up your family name? As I said, there are leads in Jiangxi province. There are leads in Canton province. We, we, people are just curious. They share this sense of glory and sense of uh, belonging it says to a certain community. It says Li was the royal last name during the Tang dynasty. Exactly, Li Shiming. That's the most famous emperor. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. So, I think in Irish history, um, but there is a conqueror in like the year one thousand, mm. um, a chieftain in Ireland, and like ten percent of all Irish people are related to this person. And I think I am too because he conquered so many people. Mm. I think the same thing for Genghis Khan in China. So like one out of seven Chinese. Han Chinese is related to Genghis Khan because mm. he conquered so many um, villages and things. In okay, so if you don't show your filial piety to you, hate parents, history, don't you? Huh? You hate history, don't you? I don't know about this history. I mean, <laughs> I don't think my audience would be. Interested I think they do. I think they should. Um, audience, if you're interested, Dude, come on. If you're Chinese interested, listeners, they know nothing about word history. If you're interested about, I don't even know a lot about word history, and I'm a fucking English. I'm reader. telling the listeners now. If you're interested in this like kind of genealogy, cool history stuff, then just put it in the comments because I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure nobody's. I think they the are. Like that. Well, that's what you think. <laughs> okay, so back to the topic of family. Um, we think that we are showing our filial piety by living with our parents giving them what they want and show our love and care, like taking them to travel and uh, buy them stuff that they really want and stuff like that. Why? You, you guys were like, oh, I'm going to call my mom and my dad once in a while and that's it. So how do you show your filial piety? Um, we also take our family members on vacation. I think vacation is pretty important for American families, but... Mm -hmm. As far as like living that with them day to day and like taking them uh, to, you know, buying them all kinds of stuff. That's kind of a weird phenomenon I've never heard of. Um, then how do you guys show your love? We get presents for Christmas and things like that for Christmas and birthdays and Father's Day, uh, Mother's Day. Mother's Day was just like two weeks ago. So that's the day that we show respect for our mom. Um, I think you guys... Like in my understanding, my perceptions, my cultural biases, you guys have too much reverence and respect for your parents. They're just people that decided to have kids. Like you can love them. You can love them. But why? Like they're not gods or something. Like why do you have to make your whole life about them? I, I don't know. Even not. the marriage ceremony, you mentioned me, even the marriage ceremony in China is like, 
you're having a celebration and your parents are collecting all this money because you got married. What the fuck does that day have to, excuse my language, what the fuck does that day have to do with them? Um, Nothing. I'm not saying that Chinese people are making their parents like their whole life. I'm just saying maybe this has a lot to do with the past, the, the history. Like, think about it. In the past, um, we don't have a very mature social security system. When your parents actually get old, over the age 65, they have no income whatsoever. In an age where everybody could barely, you know, could just barely make living go on. And you are over sixty-five years old. Wh- who is going to take care of you? The government. Yeah. The social security system is not going to take care of you. So, so your ch- your children are your best shot. You live with them, and they take care of you. And this kind of uh, tradition or this thought haven't changed because we just got rich in recent maybe twenty years yeah. at most, right? In the recent twenty years at the most. So. This whole idea hasn't haven't changed. Well, in America, it's more like a hundred years old, like hundred and twenty. The last time we did stuff like that was in the nineteen tens and nineteen. Even my grandfather's family wasn't necessarily like that. Maybe yeah, latest. That's what I mean. You have like a very mature social security system, like long time ago. You don't need people to take care of you when you are old. You can just go to the old people's house, and the nurses and doctors there would take care of you. Everything is considered and covered you well it's it's not th- anything it's not that great but it's a whole nother conversation like when you if you want to get enrolled and put into a nursing home you actually have to give up a lot of your um, entitlements and um, houses and if you don't qualify if you're rich well yeah you can go to any nursing home you want but for my grandpa for example mm-hmm. he had in order to qualify for medicaid mm-hmm. support he had to sign over his possessions um the household possessions to the bank, I believe, or well, they, they just had to get below. Your grandma, your grandpa was admitted into this nursing house. Where does your grandma live? If the house is taken away, the house is not taken away. I I should have framed that wrong. So my grandpa basically just has to like relinquish, um, all of his assets to to qualify for that that income level, and they needed a lawyer to help them out do it because like they had their middle middle class people. So they had enough money, I guess, I guess, yeah. So for our government to put them into the Medicaid program and put them in that nursing home, they had to demonstrate that they didn't have money to do that. But according to my grandpa's assets, they did. So yeah, it's not, it's not a nice uh, process. That's all I have to say. Mm, It's not an easy or nice process. But you can still get it if you want to, right? Yeah, it's just kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, I see. I see. Yeah, but like in in China, like especially like um, my parents, they were working for a Sinopac for many years, but then the Sinopac was bought, uh, was bought out by another. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, they were waiting. They were working for like a private gasoline station for years that was actually invested by my great grandpa. Mm. That is the elder brother of my grandpa. Uh, but then this gasoline station was bought by Sinopac. And Sinopac was like, we don't want the old employees. We want all of them 
over 45 years old gone. And then my dad started his own uh, small business. But for all these years, nobody has ever paid any social security money for them. Mm. So it turns out that my parents don't have social security. They don't have retirement plan whatsoever. Well, so I thought you guys case, were like a communist. My brother, as the only son in the family, kind of a like it was taken. It is taken for granted that my brother just kind of shouldered the responsibility of taking care of my parents. Well, taking them to hospital when they are not feeling good and I stuff like that. that. I get that. I get that. But isn't the whole purpose and premise of a communist society to be fair and equal, where? everyone's taken care of at all costs and capitalism is like this cold society where no one's taken care of but yet we have more social security and and medicaid support than you guys hmm. we if you're old if you're over 65 you Wait, get you so- can't understand communism at a you know like the word meaning level so basically it's we, not we, it's not fulfilling our, our society that is I, i'm understanding chinese it basing on the chinese style Socialism. I'm understanding society. it based on the Communist Manifesto. So I forget one for many or one for all, whatever it is, whatever the fact is, everyone's supposed to be on equal grounds to each according to his needs. So the benefits are given to each according to his need. And America is supposed to be this cold capitalist society where no one is taken care of. Yet when you turn 65 here, you get Social Security payments, which pay for your grocery and your rent. And that's just from working. That's just that's a, and then you get Medicaid, which is the thing that allows you to go into these nursing homes and be taken care of. Wait, 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 wait. Social Security, you get the money, isn't it? Because like you paid the money when you were working. Yeah. So as long as you have some form of like, if you're a homeless person, you can't get Social Security. But as long as you've worked a certain amount of years, um, maybe ten years, twenty years, whatever it is, you get a payment according to that, like. It's not an exactly equate. It's like not an exact equation, but it's there so that when you turn a certain age, you're not expected to work anymore, uh, like 65, and you can start accepting these payments. Okay. Mm, I don't know, man. I I think, like, you know, America has been rich for so many years. That's separate from your retirement, too. So your retirement package is what... Some companies have retirement packages. Some companies have pensions. Government, if you work for the government or police force, you have a pension, um, which is a payment on top of the Social Security, on top of whatever you saved up for your retirement. And a lot of companies are doing 401k now, which is basically like an um, investment package mm-hmm. that the company puts in some money, you put in some money, and you get to put your assets in the company, um, your assets along with the companies. It's so complicated. I mean, the system is complicated. Well... My parents' case is kind of rare. I think nowadays most people got social security. Okay. Yeah, like people of my age or people who just got started in started working in recent ten years, most of us have social security. Um, not necessarily. But it's supposed to kick in when you're sixty or what? I don't know yet, cause I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, because things just happen so fast. Everything just changes so fast. Yeah. Like talking about the medical insurance, um, my mom's got this medical, medical insurance, insurance is a whole big thing. That yeah, that's, we're not gonna have a time to get into that. I know, I know. I'm just trying to say that everything just happens so fast and changes so fast. Like many years for 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 her whole life, my mom doesn't have like a 
medical insurance from the government. Mm-hmm. I guess she used to have a medical insurance from the place she worked for. She works for, but now as she's got a medical insurance from the government offered provided by the government. Maybe in the recent five years, I believe five years. Yeah, well, Or like eight years. Let's maybe. go back to the parenting style because I have another interesting point here. Yeah,、um, go ahead. Hold on. This is regarding the difference. So there's Fili- a lot. America also has a lot of Filipino、um, immigrants as well. So I have like the difference between parenting styles between Chinese American and Filipino American. So for Chinese American boys, this is quote unquote from the、um, journal. For Chinese American boys, fathers were providers, authoritarian, authoritarian. Figures and role models for Chinese American girls, closeness and affection were not realistic between fathers and daughters. Many felt they had to keep secrets from their immigrant fathers to protect them. On contrast, for Filipino Americans, boys describe their fathers as friends as well as providers. Girls describe their fathers as affectionate and felt that the fathers make an effort to talk with them.、Um, both groups of boys describe their mothers. Instrumental activities such as cooking and housework as showing care, but Filipino American boys also describe maternal support as including trust and affection. I have to say that for a white American, our, our styles align a lot more with Filipino American、mm. um, in regards to how、um, our fa- our parents are friends as well as providers, and our parents are, fa- are very affectionate for most、yeah. families. Yeah. I mean, what I'm trying to say is the parent-child、uh, relationship is always so complicated, considering that Asian fathers are always so reserved in expressing their emotions and feelings. Well, it's not Asian, so Filipinos are technically Asian too. They're just they're, oh, then let's just say Chinese. They're Austronesian or something, so they're different ethnicity. So you can just say Chinese. Chinese, yeah. Maybe Japanese. I guess. Yeah. You、so、would know more about that too. A lot of my friends. It's really complicated to describe this issue. A lot of my friends actually talk to me about this, and I personally have a lot of problems and misunderstandings between me and my father. I believe that he loves me very much, and he cares about everything. He cares about us. Generally speaking, I consider myself a very good father. I, I consider my father a very good father. He is responsible. He's supportive.、Um, he supports the whole family, and he makes sure that he's always there. Even though in the 1990s, a lot of people just go to Canton Province and work there, try to make some more money. My father stayed there all the time. He considers this as very important. One of the Wise things he did was, you know,、um, I was in the same grade with my sister. For some reason, you know, I was in the same grade with my sister, but I was doing better academically speaking than my sister. Although I'm like one year and a half younger than her, and I thought I'm entitled to more recognition and praise and encouragement. The truth was the the opposite. My sister always got more attention, more encouragement, more care, and more instructions in her study, and I was like, kind of like neglected or something. 
Well, many years later, I came to understand this. Because think about it. Put yourself in my sister's position. If you were the weak one, if you were the one who is not doing as good as your younger sister in your academic studies, and your family just make their response accordingly, they didn't show you as much attention or care as they do to your younger sister, that would be really, really harsh for her. So my father was doing exactly the opposite. He was trying to show more care and love to my sister just because she was, you know, the one who needs more help. Yeah, so generally but speaking, I consider my father a very good father. I just don't know, like, I just don't know that this kind of reserved way of expressing his emotions and feelings is a good is a good thing to do. Because, like, for many years, I doubt whether my father actually likes me. Well, this may be your personal case, but I think many Chinese girls feel the same way. And I don't think it's always about one sister versus the other. I think it's just more about... Chinese father figures in general and having a certain style of stoic parenting. And I will say that in the U.S. culture, especially more like Northern European, like uh, German or whatever, like, but anyway, you know, at some point in U.S. history, 100 years ago, 80 years ago, parents and especially father figures were considered more stoic, as in more like stone-like, more um, just working hard and not being so conversational or affectionate or showing so much love and support. Yeah. So you know what? The result of this kind of parenting style, the consequences, for many years, I thought I was doing everything to try to impress my father because I chose the job that he suggested when I graduated with my master's degree. Mm. I got several offers in Beijing working like companies personally speaking i i was kind of um young and simple back in those days but personally speaking i think my personality is more would fit better in like a corporate environment and i would like to try my chances in beijing but i just like consciously or unconsciously i got another offer from my hometown city or the capital city of my hometown province as a college uh, lecturer yeah. in a local university and i went and i went to that job i think unconsciously i was making this choice to impress my father because i knew this was exactly what he wanted and i remember myself one day waking uh, waking up and i couldn't remember where i was yeah meaning maybe in those years i wasn't having a very good time so I, I, I started asking my question for all these years. You try to impress this one person, but does he really care? No. Well, at a certain point, I think he was very, very happy. But then he was talking about me getting married. Like I wasn't like, you know, dating people seriously. I wasn't getting married as everyone else. And I started to realize, dad, what the fuck? You just kind of like, um, push your daughter through you know one life stage after another you want her to get her degree get a job that you want and now you want her to get married have you ever for even once asked me in a very sincere way hey child how's your life going on yeah are you happy or not are you like 
is your work going well? Are you having problems with your boss? Because at that point, I was having a lot of problems yeah. with my boss back then. And I kind of like, you know, got like really despair, desperate about the whole situation. And I was like, why should I do that? Why? I'm like 24 or 25 years old. I try, I did things to try to make my father happy. Does that even make sense? And for all these years, I don't think he even cares in a real way. He wants me to take this job to do this thing so that, so that for what? Okay, and okay. And at that point, it was like a awakening moment for me. I was like, okay, now, from now on, I'm going to live my life, make my choices. I'm going to let my father know. I'm going to let my parents know. But I'm not going to ask their posi- uh, opinions because I believe... I can make better decisions for myself than they can for me. Well, obviously, for multiple reasons, you're you're adopting the Western style, which is you're an individual person and you're developing your own autonomy to make your own decisions. And you realize after many years that that's probably the best bet for you. If you're incapable of thinking about your own problems, if you're incapable of having confidence about your life, then you're going to leave everything up to your parents. But in the West, you should develop confidence. You should develop ability to think about your own life and situations, and you should make your own choice. Doesn't mean you you can. I take suggestions from my parents, and then I take suggestions from my brothers or whatever they have to say about my. And then I can say, "Hey, thanks for your opinion, but uh, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do, what I want to do." And I think that's very important. I kind of think that some people listen to their parents' opinions because. They are uncertain, like they don't have courage to carry out their opinions and ideas. Mm-hmm. They were like, "Okay, I have this opinion, but am I certain, one hundred percent sure? I don't know. Maybe it's safer to just follow some senior people's suggestion about this, your life. Yeah, it's that's, easier. Well, here's the problem, especially like old in the old times, it works better, right? Because in agricultural society, we're not allowed technologies changing. Not not many things are that dynamic. So for like a thousand years in Europe and in China, we were just agricultural. Uh, we were peasants. And then there's like the people above the peasants, which are the laborers. And it's always, so your parents have a, tons and tons of knowledge about that society. And they can pass it uniformly to their children. So their children are adopting a society that's basically the same as their parents for thousands exactly. of years. So let me let me finish for a second my thought. Um, in this society, you know, in the last 200 years, things have been changing in such a rapid pace and the, the pace is only growing, especially for Chinese people. And your parents just, it's impossible for them to have as much knowledge about the world as you do because at some point, um, you know, your brain stops adapting. So what 50s, uh, they say the late 50s, late 60s, your brain, and that's why you have to teach your parents how to use a tablet or a smartphone or this or that. Because at some point, your brain, your adaptation skills, your fluidity and your plasticity are just greatly diminished. So in old times, they had all the wisdom. In these modern times, maybe they have some wisdom, some some good suggestions, but they can't possibly have 100% of the wisdom that they used to have. Exactly. I totally agree with this. That's why like people like me who were born in the late 1980s, we get career suggestions from our parents, and most of them goes like this. Choose to work as a teacher, a nurse, or a public servant. 
because they are stable. Uh, you have constant income. They have high, kind of high, comparatively high social status.、Mm-hmm. Well, most most of all, it's sta- it's stable, so you don't have to worry about losing your job or something, or be a doctor. But things have changed so much that this suggestion simply do not apply to the modern society situation anymore.、Mm-hmm. That's why I'm so happy to see some of my students who were born after 2000. Yeah, they were showing more courage and independent thinking than people of previous generations. Yeah, but interestingly. There are so many things that I don't like about. I mean, I love my parents, one hundred percent, no doubt. But there are just so many things I don't agree with them, and I see some weakness in their personality. And gradually, as I get older, I found that I saw those weaknesses in myself too. So I started to think maybe, although after all these years of education and nurturing, nature. Still, like the genetic influences is still so strong that I still have those like、um, weak weakness, this like defects of personalities that I see in myself as I saw in my father, especially in my father. Yeah, I give you some examples such as like my father is kind of stubborn.、Mm-hmm. He's very stubborn. So since he was young, people nickname him as like. Rocks or something. Yeah. Yeah. People. Call What's that brother, in Chinese? What, what, what do they say in Chinese? Shitou, shitou ge. So people just call him Shi ge. Um. Yeah, brother rock. And I saw that trait in myself these years too.、My、I see father, it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> my father is also like, kind of like, uh, it's kind of hard for him to control his emotion and temper. You know, it's getting harder and harder for him to control his emotion as he gets older, especially ever since like age sixty or something. Yeah. So, kids, would you like to introduce to our audience the documentary about genetic influences or nurture versus nature? I actually was- don't. I want to stick to the filial conversation because that's what interests me today, and maybe we'll talk about the nature versus nurture later. Okay. Maybe in another episode. I I'm not sure, but that's but a I'm, I really that's a huge the nurture nature thing. That's a huge conversation, and you know, no, it's it's related to our topic today. It's about the family influences on you. It's pseudo related. Let me just. I want to ask you something. I want to ask. Okay, so in the West, our parents are have less reverence. We have less reverence for parents, especially as time goes on, especially as we learn more about the world. And their view of the world sort of remains stagnant or standing in time. So at some point, you know, in your thirties, you're gonna understand that as your perception of the world are growing, you're learning more knowledge. Your parents tend to be stuck in a certain world. Especially, this is especially true for American men. So a lot of older American men in their sixties, a lot of my friends' parents, especially my friends' dads,、um, they start watching far right. Uh, leaning news sources like Fox News or One America News, and these news sources are very biased. And our fathers don't know how to fact check any information on Wikipedia or on Google, and they just have a very biased, conservative worldview. This is especially true for white Americans, for example.、Um, 
and you see other people in their 60s like women and other more liberal parents go in the similar direction with only watching CNN or these other liberal news sources. Um, but we're not reluctant to tell our parents that they're stupid. That's what I'm getting at with all this. I don't want to get into politics, but I'm not reluctant to tell my father that his ideas are really stupid. I think they suck. And he's not going to be offended. He'll laugh and say, oh, no, no, you're stupid. I'll say, well, no, you're really stupid, dude. Like, you should use the Internet and learn how to use it and learn how to fact check things. (laughs) And then you told me, you informed me that you guys in your family and other Chinese families, like your fathers, especially the fathers, have a lot of stubborn old viewpoints um, they smoke cigarettes and you tell them, hey, you shouldn't smoke cigarettes. It's so bad for you. Oh, millions of times I told him. Okay, but why, like, I would insult my dad and say, especially if he was smoking cigarettes around me because cigarettes in American society are, like, viewed as disgusting and, like, really atrocious for your health and especially around other people. Mm-hmm. It's not fair to smoke around other people. No, it's not. And then force that onto them and force them to engage in something that's so unhealthy i would literally tell my dad it was like i would be like yo i would curse i would say get that fucking cigarette out of my face dude like i'm saying why can't you do that to your parents they're you said they would kick you out of their out of your house and that really interests me because they're doing something that is considered in in the west to be so rude but yet you can't say hey that's fucking rude like get that the fuck out of here um I think the answer to this question goes back to the uh, Confucius ideas you mentioned early. Because mm. Confucius taught us to respect your father, respect your teacher, and Why? respect your ruler. Why, there though? There is a very clear hierarchy uh, classification, hierarchies in the society. For example, I'm pretty sure the situation might be different for people who whose family was originally located in big cities and they were in contact with different streams of ideas from the very beginning. In our case, in my case, in my family's case, it was pretty traditional Chinese family. And you know, like at the dining table, my father always sit. uh, Like for example, in our dining room, you walk into the door and the first seat you, you, you saw like near the window, like like the the place which is considered as the the seat of like in charge. Yeah. Like for example, you have like a square uh, conference meeting table. Yeah, yeah, I know what and you then mean. The, yeah, the person in head is gonna sit there, and my father has been sitting in that seat for like fucking as long as I can remember. I sense some so, resentment in this tone. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that in many aspects of your life, the father is a leading figure in the family who takes the decision, who makes the decision, sorry, who makes the decision, who is in charge of the family affairs, yeah. who is responsible to output opinions and stuff. And not and receive any down, opinions. Setting down rules in the family. Yeah. And that has always been the case. I told my father for millions of times, Dad, please quit smoking, especially after he almost had a stroke. Yeah. And the doctor specifically told him to quit smoking, and he never listened. And all of the kids, including me, my brother, and my sister, we all told him, like, for millions of times, he never listened. He was like, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. I'm not going to quit smoking. So... 
my confusion. So my understanding is that like in the West, I was always taught maybe I'm I might be a little bit more oppositional and a little bit more defiant than even the average Westerner, but I was always taught only give people respect if they treat you with respect no matter who they are. So if my boss is going to talk rude to me, I'm gonna talk rude back and say, Don't talk to me like that ever. I don't care if you're my boss. If my dad talks rudely to me, I'm gonna say, mm-hmm. Don't talk rudely to me because I don't have to take any shit from anybody. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say it's like rude. Like in Chinese, we call it jia jiao. No, I'm not saying your dad is being rude. I'm just saying just the whole overall philosophy of taking things just because of the structure, the hierarchical structure that exists. So just taking things and not voicing your opinion or your dissent just because that's the structure of things. But here, you know, if a cop is being rude, I, I have to listen to the cop, but I can also say, you're a fucking jerk off. And then the cop might record that. You know, it's not smart to say that to a cop, but you are allowed to say that here. It's not going to give you an extra penalty or something like that. Yeah, I understand. I'm, I was trying to explain to you why is it like that. Because, like, why do we respect our father's opinions so much, even though sometimes they are absolutely wrong? Such as and in the case sometimes of, they're offensive. Yes, like in the case of smoking. We kids, we are definitely 100% correct in trying to persuade my father to quit smoking. I saw just like last uh, in January when I was back uh, yeah. home to my parents' house, my sister happened to be there with her kids. My father was smoking in the living room in front of the kids. Mm. The kids is like four years old. Yeah. My sister got a little bit worried and concerned. She told my father... No, she actually didn't say it directly. He told her kids to get out of the living room because my father was... uh, So she was like, come out of the living room because your grandpa is smoking. Yeah. And you guess what? My my dad actually yelled at her. Really? Yeah. My my dad was like, get the fuck out of this living room then. Wow. In a very loud voice. So, but like... I was trying to explain to you why Chinese people regard their father's opinions as very, very important and, you know, kind of like rules or something. Because, yeah. like, in Chinese, we have jia jiao. Um, jia jiao means, like, your manners and your behaviors. Yeah. Supposedly, your parents are going to teach you this since you were a child. Yeah. When you go out into the society... You have very good manners, behaviors, how you hold your chopsticks, how you talk to people, how you like, you know, behave around people. If you have very good manners uh, in regards to these things, we're going to say you have very good jia jiao, meaning your parents have taught you very well. If not, then we say meaning his par- his or her parents didn't teach her or him very well. So... You you can see from this example, or I, I just gave you, that people regard parents' rules and how they teach their kids to behave as a very, very significant thing. But a lot of times, you know, in modern parental research and psychological research and parenting, a lot of our styles and influence comes from actual research and peer-reviewed studies and stuff we don't just let tradition take over and rule things that's why in the 1980s i think the american parenting style changed drastically and it was more about showing love and support to your kid and not you know being so removed and stoic 
Um, and, but traditions and gotta the, be carried and, carried on by some. And in the Chinese style, like I understand Chinese culture, especially parents to children, and even spouses revolves around a lot of shaming. So like when someone's doing something poorly or not good, not sufficient, you you give them some shame. Um, such as saying, hey, you're not doing a very good job. I, but Oh, that's that's a good concept, but a very bad example. Let me explain this to my Chinese audience. It's like shaming. The most typical example is comparison. Yeah, the parents comparison. always compare you to some kids, you know, from the neighborhood, your neighbor's kid or your dad's friend's kid who is yeah. doing this and this and this. I was literally pissed one time when my dad did that because... He gave me a very bad example. I was like already doing my master in one of the top uh, foreign language university in China. And he gave me an example of someone who fucking is trying to get an English degree from a local university. I was like, dad, do you know that I'm actually learning in the top one foreign language university in China? Yeah. You just gave me an example of someone who studies in a university with which ranks maybe like fucking 50 or 100 in China. Are you yeah. seriously? Are you seriously? Are you comparing me to her and saying that she's doing a very good job? My yeah. dad was embarrassed at that time. This would be considered kind of emotional abuse actually in Western parenting styles because you're supposed to respect, you know, you're supposed to appreciate, respect, and show support of your child's independence and autonomy so if you know you you would never question their autonomy and individuality and their how they express themselves and compare it to somebody else you would say if you really wanted them to do better so say they were getting a c and you know they could get easily a b and probably even an a you should say listen a parenting style would be like well if you get a d or f you're going to be grounded because that's unacceptable but i know you're capable of getting an a and so do you. You're just not trying. But you would never, that's considered, you know, being stern and, you know, demonstrating that you're not happy with them. But you would never say, oh, look at how great so-and-so is doing. And you're not, you're doing shit. Like, you're not doing good. That would be considered, like, emotional abuse. Almost. Oh, my God. That that has been, like, the comments millions of Chinese kids receive from their parents. And they hate it. I'm telling you, they hate it. Well, we hate it. Then I guess the psychological research was correct in the 1980s in regards to Western culture because comparison and a lot, not that we did that a lot to begin with, but the most important thing, it seems, is that like respecting autonomy and independence and not making comparisons between other people. And like a lot of the problems that we see with social media and girls these days, especially girls because they're influenced by social media a lot, is the human tendency um, to make comparison with others. And when you see Instagram or let's say WeChat or whatever, um, you know, Chinese Weibo, people. yeah. When you see other people, you only see a glimpse of their life. You see a glimpse of their success. You see a glimpse of their happiness and their marriage. And then you compare and so, say, well, I, why am I not experiencing that? And the, it's a fraud because all those people who's to say that they're actually experiencing that or they're just smiling once a month and then taking a picture of that smile and you're just seeing a false glimpse and then that's affecting a lot of people even in the west it's affecting our um emotional um standing because you know you think well what's wrong with me if everyone's so happy and i'm not truth is 
it's it's pretty rare for everyone to be continually that happy or that joyful. It's just these photos are capturing one small fragment of our lives. Do you think maybe like Chinese parents do a lot of comparisons because they care too much about their face, like Mianzi? Because you 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 sort of feel like oh I have such good Mianzi if I win in this comparison. Let's say three. Uh, dads gathered together, and they were just bragging about how their kids is doing very good in school. At school,、mm-hmm. the dad who the dad who whose kid is doing the best, whose academic performance ranks the best, is gonna be like, "Oh, I earned so much face. I earned so much means today because my kid is doing the best. I win." Um. I guess you would know that. I wouldn't know anything about that. I mean, obviously, parents in the West brag about their kids as well.、Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone wants to be proud of their kids. Everyone wants to demonstrate that you know my kids are doing a great job, whether it's in sports or academics.、Um, so I don't think anything innately wrong with that, unless your parents are susceptible to the same thing, the same comparison. So the parents are instead of just saying, "Hey, everyone, look, my kids are doing a good job." The parents are susceptible to the same mechanism and pattern in in Chinese society, which is,、um, I'm going to compare how I'm doing to them, and then that makes your parents feel worse, just like it makes you feel worse when your parents compare you. So the parent, your parents have been compared their whole lives. Naturally, they're going to compare. Well, the success of my kids is inextricably linked to me, and how I compare with my cousin or with my friends' families is a reflection of me. When there's a lot more components that go into it, so I just realized maybe、um, we don't like comparison. Of course, the other thing we really hate is how our parents actually express their emotion. That is what's going wrong. Because I realized that because for many years I thought my my dad doesn't like me. I thought my dad is not proud of me. Is not proud of what I have achieved for so many years. I tried so many years, and he's not even、uh, happy with what I have done.、Mm. But then one day, my mom told me because like women are usually more expressive in their emotions. My、mm. mom told me, actually, behind you, your dad is always bragging you. Is always bragging things you have achieved. Yeah. I was like, then how come he never ever mentioned this in front of me? How come he never ever said such things to me directly? So that's the moment when I realized there was something wrong, like with the way my parents expressed their, uh, my my father especially、mm. expressed his emotions. He was extremely proud of me, but he would only use this pride to brag in front of um. Other people like my relatives or his friends, but he wouldn't say it directly to me. Hey, child, I'm just so I'm just so proud of you. I think you have done a wonderful job. I'm really happy for you or something. He never said that to me. I think that's mainly like the way how you express your emotions. Yeah, that's where it goes wrong. I think I don't know. I guess my main criticism of all of this is that. I think Chinese people do a good job of adapting the technology, adapting the modern market. You know, you guys are competing pretty well with cell phones and things like that, Huawei and all. But 
in regards to like your social development, psychological development, um, and doing all like the social psychology research, you guys seem to be like decades, decades behind the West Mm -hmm. as it seems like, you know, you're, you're doing these patterns of parenting style and these are very old to us, almost like several, several generations back to the 19th century for us. We'll catch up, I guess, you know, because more and more people get higher education. Um, people who are born in the 1980s and 1990s are becoming parents nowadays, and they are very, very reflective, like me. They think about the parenting style of their own parents, mm-hmm. and they think about how they should do better and like how they are going to do better in the way they treat their kids and how they express their emotions. Do you have friends though? And, you know, maybe distant relatives. I don't want to like call anyone out personally in your family, but do you have any, do you know of anyone that has this strict authoritarian style still though? Do they still have, you know, of this, a lot of discipline, a lot of structure, a lot of control over their children's lives? Mm, and I think I, you know I, who I I'm talking it be, about. It would be really bad for me to talk about my. Well, let's just say a friend, like a friend of a friend. I know that. I know a person like that. So, it, how common is that among, um, to your knowledge, among Chinese families? I know. It's, I don't know, cause like I, the 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 families with the young couple and their kids. I know probably like ten of them. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, most of them, I would say some of them actually go to the other extreme, but I definitely know a case like the case you mentioned just now. Uh-huh. The mom was really, really strict. Oh my God. I was like literally shocked. Yeah. Because she, the mom would care about the test result of every little quiz. Yeah. And the kid, the, the, the daughter, younger, actually got. 96 in her English test for once at uh, one time. Mm-hmm. She got two things wrong. One is a word, like a dictation, yeah. like a vocabulary dictation. Mm. And the other is like a true or false question. Yeah. She got 96 and I was like, come on, 96, that's very good. Right? Yeah. It's very good. She's not happy. She said, this vocabulary this word i started to teach you this word ever since you were fucking two years old and now you are seven years old you're 10 years old you still didn't get this word correct Mm. she was so pissed and then she she would go like she was criticizing this small poor girl for like fucking one hour and i was like what's wrong with you it's just like it's 96 points What, what else do you want yeah and she was like no the majority of the class got 100. Yeah, that's pretty... That would be considered kind of emotional abuse. I mean, I know of some families... In in every high school in America, there's always, like, a couple families you know that are like that, like, super strict, and the kids grow up under this certain environment. But it just doesn't turn out pretty, usually. Uh, a lot of times, these type of children will have to go on antidepressants or something, or they rebel. So if they stick with it, if they stick with all the stuff to encounter the stress and deal with the stress, they might go on antidepressants or something. But if they rebel, they might do like harsher drugs like uh, 
opiates or heroin or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's a good thing either. I think it's really stupid to do that, especially in the case I mentioned. Like the mom just cares about the result of every little quiz, and I tried to tell her, you know what? Study is a long journey. Your kid is just getting started. She is in the、uh, first grade. Oh、mm-hmm. uh, no 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 no! Wait wait! She was in the third grade because that's when、yeah. you started to learn English. I said she was still in primary school, dude. Yeah. Girl, you know what? She's gonna go to middle school, high school, college, and maybe even master and PhD. This is a very very long process. Yeah. I will you, say you that you need to see things in the long term. I will say that you know. Asians,、uh, or Chinese in particular, and then Chinese Americans do have some of the highest scores on the SATs and other things that predict life success, and they have high graduation rates.、Um, not, a lot of people don't know this because in America, in social politics, it's kind of taboo to say that Asians are doing great.、Um, the social politics in America are kind of confusing, and they don't really make that much sense. But、um, Anyways, Chinese Americans and、uh, Asian Americans in general,、uh, East Asians, so Japanese, Korean, and Chinese have a higher average salary, average household salary than or income than white Americans. Not by like a significant amount, because I think average household income for white Americans, non-Hispanic, is seventy thousand, and then Chinese Americans like seventy-seven thousand. So these these strict disciplines, I think they do result. In a slight increase、mm-hmm. in you know outcome and success, but a slight you know seven thousand dollars is not a lot of money, and I think you know p- they're sacrificing partially partially like well being and emotional development and you know certain social、uh, aspects of society that they might be missing out on with all of this rigid structural top down、uh, parenting style and.、Uh, I think some parents are just. They're not informed enough to understand this. Yeah. They're not informed enough to understand that the psychological well-being of their kids actually matter even more in the long term. And what I fucking English test. What I wanted to、um, go to the, from there is that while I do believe that the average、uh, salary of Asian Americans is higher, I, I think you see them less likely to. Branch out and do something very entrepreneurial, or do something very adventurous, or do something like try and become a famous musician. Because in Asian culture, and I've heard this from you know Chinese American comedians who actually did become successful, they said they did it against their parents' wishes. They said their parents almost disowned them, and then they became a comedian because they pursued the American dream. So I, I think who Jimmy O Yang? I think it was. I don't know if Jimmy O Yang, but、uh, yeah, I think it was. I think it was him. Yeah. Jimmy O Yang, yeah, right. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that like this rigid structure, this cultural rigid structure of discipline and top-down structure, I think it's less. I think it will produce success, but I think it's less likely to produce like super success or super entrepreneurship or super, you know,、uh, high roles in society, at least in Western society, because those people that occupy those roles, like the Jeff Bezos of the world, the Bill Gates, like these people. Um, or even famous actors and musicians, these people just totally went on an independent streak. Just totally left their families' wishes behind, and just pursued what they wanted to do because they totally believed in their autonomy and they totally had confidence in their autonomy、mm-hmm. to make decisions. 
And I think that's more embraced in, in Western culture than in East Asian culture. Oh, my God. I'm so grateful that we talk about this today. Because, like, lack of confidence, in my opinion, is the single biggest problem among Chinese kids. Mm-hmm. I, personally speaking, I don't think I am a very confident person. A lot of my friends point out this to me. They say that you're not confident enough for your capability. Mm. We think you're fabulous, but you are always being so humble. Well, of course, being humble is considered a very good uh, trait, personality traits. Yeah. You always being humble and always, you know, keep studying. That's kind of our motto. There's nothing wrong with that. What was going on, what was really going wrong is that your parents just constantly compare you. They are constantly focusing their attention on the things that you did bad. They are constantly focusing their attention on the things that you haven't achieved. Yeah. And never mention the things you actually achieved. Well, yeah, the problem... This part just makes you lose confidence and faith in yourself. You you start to doubt yourself. Am I really capable enough of doing this? Am I really... Or should I just listen to my parents, get a stable job and live like a stable life? Yeah. You know, never dream. That's what I'm exactly what my concern was with the East Asian, you know, particularly Chinese style of parenting and, and discipline is that it kind of, it's a lim- kind of a limitation. Like it's going to create, you know, stability and maybe some success, but it's going to put a limitation on like, you know, your passions and your true pursuits and what you really believing in yourself and what you can do and what you're capable of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Some some of my friends, you know, they go to the other extreme. I know a case like that. She personally, she grew up in a very, very demeaning family environment. Mm-hmm. Her, her mom is a monster. Oh, my God. Her mom is always saying, like, in my opinion, she's doing pretty good. Mm. But her mom is always saying demeaning things to her. Yeah. And she went the other extreme in her attitudes towards her daughter. Because I, I was a very close friend to her. So I was in the family gatherings from time to time. I saw how she interacted with her daughter. Basically, she puts no stress, no rule whatsoever on her daughter. Mm. And her daughter is kind of like, you know, kind of like self-centered. Yeah. Kind of like, a, kind of like naughty girl type. We've seen, you see that a lot in America. You see a she lot of parents. She never said anything. She never like yeah. said, stop doing that. Or she's just always patient, always in a good tempo. What happens though, when it ends up happening in America to those kids though, is in middle school when everyone's developing those kids who were self-centered and got all the love and affection and support and didn't have any boundaries well in middle school i mean these kids is not going to have any friends like those people get bullied made fun of mocked and they will be humbled by that though not saying that bullying is a good thing but i'm just saying (laughs) to someone who's so self-centered and egotistical you have to learn to be part of a, a group of friends or something you have to learn that the whole world doesn't revolve around you there's other people and that that is a common theme you see with um you know some american families is like that kind of like self-centered egotistical trait yeah i i guess you know like 
I have confidence in this generation because more people born in the 1980s, 1990s are the new um, parents. They saw, they basically, I'm saying people of this generation, they were born in comparatively less poverty and more affluence. Mm -hmm. They don't worry about life in general as much as their parents do. Mm. They're blessed with more modern technology and comfort they are more well educated and more reflective as to like how they should parent their child so i have confidence that these parents are going to be better than previous generations for sure well one can only hope okay so yeah i think we're gonna call it a day because kids is pretty tired he said <laughs> I can go on for another half an hour or something. I could go on too, but I don't want to put people to sleep. I think what we talked about today is pretty interesting. Man. It's good, but I think the next time I want to focus on how much influence does the parent actually have over the child? Can you actually mold your child based on your parenting style? Because a lot of parents, even in America, tend to believe that. Like, oh, if I just teach my kid this or if I just tell them that or if I set up this boundary will come out a certain way as if they're molding something okay. and i want to look at the data and evidence and see how true that is okay looking forward to that so and that's all for today and bye for now thank you for listening again bye bye